During the past two weeks, the deterioration of the relationship between Russia and America has been exacerbated by events worldwide. This has caused much concern amongst international observers as the world is edging closer and closer to an international conflict, the scale of which has not been seen since the Second World War. Warnings are coming from all quarters of the globe. These last two weeks saw a rise of tension in North Korea as the U.S. sends a carrier group into the area. Fallout from the gas attack in Syria, followed by the U.S. strike against Syrian bases. A referendum in Turkey giving Erdogan dictatorial powers and a call for an election in Britain to help move Brexit further ahead. ISIS attacks in the Sinai, along with thwarted terror attacks in France, all of which are causing consternation worldwide and causing stability to dissipate. Former Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev warned that the U.S. and Russia are in a new Cold War with the U.S.-Russia arms race in full swing. In an interview with Germany's Bild newspaper, he stated, The language of politicians and the top-level military personnel is becoming increasingly militant. The relationship between the big powers continues to worsen. This creates the impression that the world is preparing for a war. So all the indications of a Cold War are there. The Independent, commenting on Gorbachev's statements, went on to say, Large-scale military exercises have seen Russia and NATO troops, tanks and weapons stations even closer in neighboring countries amid disquiet over the Kremlin's intervention in the Ukrainian war. End quote. Russian media anchor Dmitry Kiselov, in his weekly news show The Vesti Nadeli, made the statement, the world is a hair's breadth from nuclear war. On the other side of the pond, the U.S. sees the same thing in reverse. As U.S. Navy Admiral Michelle Howard stated, we're seeing activity that we didn't even see when it was the Soviet Union. They, Russia, are a global navy. I understand that, but the activity in this theater has substantially moved up in the last couple of years, end quote. This is in keeping with the words of the prophets. We read, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Joel 3, verses 9 to 10. Well, the bellicose backward and forward tussling between the U.S. and Russia is approaching dangerous levels. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, while criticizing North Korea's president for its reckless nuclear actions, was more critical of America, stating, I really hope that the kind of unilateral action we recently saw in Syria won't happen in North Korea, and that the U.S. will follow the line which President Trump repeatedly set out during his pre-election campaign, end quote by which he is referring to Trump's comment that America would not be the world's policeman. Well, the news syndicates throughout the world carried the headline, Russia declares U.S. relations in worse period since the Cold War. This comes from a statement made by the Kremlin surrounding the trip of Secretary of State Rex Tillerson to Moscow. The Russian Foreign Ministry stated, It's clear that the Russian-American relations are in their worst period since the end of the Cold War. The previous U.S. administration has done all it could to exacerbate them. End quote. Well, Russia and America are poles apart on how to handle Syria. 
It was Tillerson that stated, I think it is clear to all of us that the reign of the Assad family is coming to an end. But the question of how that ends and the transition itself should be very important in our view to the durability of a unified Syria. I hope that, he went on to state, the Russian government concludes they have aligned themselves with an unreliable partner in Bashar al-Assad, end quote. Well, obviously, uh, publicly telling Russia you've betted on the wrong horse is not going to warm Russian relations with the U.S. Russia certainly doesn't see things the same way. And it's not just America's relationship with Russia that has degenerated. During the past two weeks, Britain's Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson cancelled a planned visit to Moscow following the chemical attack in Syria. Alexander Yakovenko, Russia's ambassador to the UK, gravely warned of the Russia-UK relations. He stated, there is no bilateral relationship of substance between our two nations that is beyond mere diplomatic ones, end quote. Yakovenko accused the UK of raising tensions in Europe over its decision to deploy 800 troops to Estonia near the Russian border. He stated, we deplore that deployment for it raises tensions in Europe along the border between NATO and Russia. Russia doesn't pose any threat to Estonia or any other NATO member state, end quote. Well, in an interview with the Daily Mail, Yakovenko was asked if he believed the relationship between Russia and Britain was at its worst that they had ever been, to which he bluntly stated, yes, it is. Interfax reported on April 10th, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said the American side has thus demonstrated its complete unwillingness to cooperate on Syria in any form or take account of each other's interests and concerns. The return to pseudo-attempts to settle the Syrian conflict in the spirit of reciting Assad must go mantras cannot bring anyone closer to political settlement in Syria, he stated. The deteriorating situation worldwide intensifies most in the Middle East. This week, commentator Juan Cole, a professor of history at the University of Michigan, published an article entitled, Russia's not leaving Syria is about old-fashioned sphere of influence, not oil. In the article, he discussed the areas of influence in Syria, where he stated the West and Northeast are a Russian sphere of influence, and the Bashar al-Assad regime and the Russians has, as I have said, all but defeated the fundamentalist rebels there. End quote. Discussing the areas of influence, he displayed a map pointed out Assad's area of control in red. Well, while geographically small, it represented about 75% of the population. Discussing the reason for Russia's involvement in Syria, he hit the nail on the head, stating the Syrian conflict is a challenge to economic theories of imperialism. It is not about markets. It is not about monopoly capital. It is not about oil or hydrocarbon resources. It's not even about pipelines. Other Middle East conflicts have taken place that could be explained that way. But today, Syria isn't such a case. Syria is important to Russia because, number one, it is near to Russia and Chechen fundamentalist rebels are operating there in alliance with Al-Qaeda and ISIL. It is unacceptable to Russia for the fundamentalist rebels to win and sweep into Damascus, since this development would potentially destabilize the Russian Caucasus. Number two, 
Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, is a neo-nationalist who feels as though Russia got a raw deal from the U.S. and NATO after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Russia was reduced to a weak joke and lost the spheres of influence that characterized a great power. It has lost even nearby assets such as the Ukraine. It lost Libya, and Syria was the place where Putin could show the flag and bring home some victories. He concluded in his article, Russia will remain in Syria and will have most of its sphere of influence. Russia has clear motivations and clear goals there, a strong ally with most of the population under its control and a practical plan for accomplishing them, which has worked well if sanguinarily so far. While commenting on one's article, the Minnesota Post writer Eric Black stated, International relations are far less about good and evil. They're far more about power. It makes the fairly obvious case that Russia, which is seeking to recover from a lost, steep decline in its power in the world, has only one ally in the Arab world, namely Syria. End quote. While further destabilizing the world is Turkey, Syria's northern neighbor. This week, a narrow constitutional referendum gave the president Erdogan sweeping powers. Picking up on this, McLean's magazine ran a headline, Turkey is the new sick man of Europe. This article stated, in terms of government mechanics, the changes are far-reaching. They will substantially strengthen and concentrate power in the hands of the president, making Erdogan the official head of state in addition to bestowing upon him the mantle of the head of the ruling political party in parliament. Unlike the American system of government, the new Turkey would see a partisan president in control of both executive and legislative branches. Parliament loses its office of the Prime Minister, as well as control over budgets and appointments. The President will also have power to dissolve Parliament. This ensures the predominance of presidential power over the party system. The head of the executive branch is able to make the majority of judicial appointments, and it is very difficult to see how even the judiciary could overrule the executive authority and enforce its decision in any given situation. The conclusion of this article was, if the referendum result stands, it will assist in creating a Turkish state with several things in common with its Ottoman parent at the turn of the 20th century. First, it will create an executive authority not based on any democratic separation of power and resembling more the traditional absolute role of the Pasha. Second, the reliance on Islam to govern is manifest and growing. The April 16th result will only accelerate Turkey's darkening future as Europe's new sick man, end quote. Now, we know from Daniel's account that Turkey will be the catalyst of the Russian invasion at the time of the end. We read in chapter 11, verse 40, At the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots and horsemen and many ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. 
Well, the him in this passage is the power of Turkey, or the Ottoman Turks. The king of the south, or the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, with Sheba and Dedan of Ezekiel 38 verse 13, pushed against the Turks during the First World War, driving them out of what was then Palestine, and clearing the way for the establishment of the state of Israel, as it's stated in Revelation in symbolic language. In chapter 16 verse 12 it says, The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, the symbolic name of the power of the Ottoman Turks, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east, or the sun rising, might be prepared. This is symbolic language referring to the power of the Ottoman Turks being dried up to prepare the way for the establishment of the kingdom of God, which begins with the establishment of the state of Israel, which is to form the nucleus or the building blocks of the coming kingdom of God and Messiah's rule over the world. Turkey's instability may well provide impetus for Russia's future invasion. Russia has interested itself once again in the Middle East, and specifically Syria, but also Iraq, Iran, Libya, as dictated in Ezekiel 38, where we read Persia, Iran, Ethiopia, Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Daniel adds that to this, the areas of Iraq and Syria will be included as they formed part of the image in times gone by, which will be intact when, we dis- when it's destroyed, as we read in Daniel 2, verse 35. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away, then no place was pa- found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. Well, the composite metals of gold, the Assyrio-Babylonian Empire, along with silver, the Medo-Persian Empire, brass, or the Greeks, iron, the Romans, and the European iron clay are destroyed together. The word together is the word chad in Strong's 224, corresponding to the Hebrew word echad, or the number one, meaning as one or united, and stresses unity and is similarly used of Israel when they gather together as one man, or as a wife and a man being one flesh. All the composite pieces of the image existed in different epochs, and they are gathered together in one and destroyed together on the mountains of Israel as they come to defy God of Israel one more time. This being the case, the modern nations of Europe, including Italy, Greece, along with Iran, Iraq, and Syria, all the geographical areas of the successive image empires, must be united again. We see this in the description of the invasion in both Daniel and Ezekiel. Activities in Turkey are no doubt leading to the coming together of this great confederation, which will strike Turkey first and then overflow into the rest of the Middle East. The hostilities developing between Russia and the Tarshish nations are keeping with the polarized situation predicted in the scriptures of truth. Well, at the end of March, British Prime Minister Theresa May invoked Article 50 of the Lisbon Treaty, putting Britain on track to leave the European Union in 2019. This week, she shocked the country and called a general election with the purpose of strengthening the government's hand in moving ahead the Brexit negotiations. In her speech, she stated, Britain is leaving the European Union and there could be no turning back. As we look to the future, the government has the right plan for negotiating our, way, our new relationship with Europe. 
We want a deep and special partnership between a strong and successful European Union and a UK that is free to chart its own way in the world. That means we will re regain control of our own money, of our own laws, of our own borders, and we'll be free to strike trade deals with our old friends and new partners all around the world. Britain wants out of Europe. It wants autonomy and wants the ability to reconnect with the young lions and trading partners. May wants a free hand in getting out of Europe, as she stated in her speech. This leaving Europe is the right approach, and it is in the national interest, but the other political parties oppose it. At this moment of enormous national significance, there should be unity here in Westminster, but instead there is division. The country is coming together, but Westminster is not. In recent weeks, Labour have threatened to vote against the filing agreement we reach with the European Union. The Liberal Democrats have said that they want to grind the business of government to a standstill. The SNP say they will vote against the legislation that formally repeals Britain's membership of the United European Union, and unelected members of the House of Lords have vowed to fight us every step of the way. Our opponents believe because the government's majority is so small that our resolve will weaken and they can force us to change our course. End quote. So while Russia is strengthening itself, preparing for war, and forming its image empire, Britain is quickly standing aside from it and linking itself up with its young lion allies, according to the Ed game that Ezekiel outlines in chapter 38, verse 13, which sees Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, confederated together. With all these world events hastening to a biblical conclusion, we have to ask ourselves, what is the conclusion we are preparing for? With all the tension in the world, it is entirely possible that we could face another world crisis that could hail conscription and a last time of testing. Or the testing could be not being sucked in and overcome by the cares of this life, choked by the thorns all around us, as we read of in Mark 4, verses 18 to 19. These are they that are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. With the kingdom upon us, it is imperative that we keep our vision focused on the joy that is set before us, lifting up our heads for the coming redemption, so that we meet our Lord with joy and not with regret. For the Bible and the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.